What are the three game changers in cybersecurity? Hi, this is Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking about these three game changers today with Rolf von Rosing. He's past international vice president with ISACA. Rolf, thanks so much for joining me today. Well, thank you, Tom, and hello. Rolf, you and I have had a chance to speak in the past, but perhaps you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your role with ISACA for those that aren't familiar with you. Right, yes, of course. I'll be very happy to. My name's Rolf von Rosing. I've been a member of ISACA since 1997, and I've served as a volunteer in various functions, including the earliest security working group that was instituted in 2005. I then uh, was privileged enough to serve on the board of directors and uh, the board of trustees for a couple of years. And these days I'm working quite hard on projects that ISACA uh, is publishing, mainly securing mobile devices, transforming cybersecurity with COVID-5 and others. So that's a bit of a role change, but then I'm, I'm very happy to contribute and help bring these publications out. So, Rolf, according to the, the newest report from ISACA, organizations worldwide are at risk of further cybercrime if they ignore what you call three game changers of cybersecurity. Broadly, if you will, what are these three game changers, and really, what's at risk for organizations? Right. I mean, the game changers are basically, um, first, that we have ubiquitous broadband around us, and with new devices coming out that people are using in their day-to-day lives, you see that there are uh, many always-on connections that people may be aware of and others that they're less aware of and that are just there because mobile devices tend to do that sort of thing. The second game-changer, then, is that we're facing an increasingly IT-centric society in which people use IT services or IT-enabled services to do most everything that really happens, whether that be payments, whether it's ordering drinks, whether it's transacting business via the web, and um, using iPads and other devices, you feel that more and more we're becoming extremely IT-centric and we're doing less and less paper or other forms of business. And the third game-changer, finally, in my opinion, is that we are seeing a generation change, which is natural in terms of age groups, but that the younger generation uh, in some parts tends to use these devices unconsciously, tends to rely on services as they are provided in the cloud. And, you know, in my humble opinion, there is a bit of a a new stratification socially that runs from the old, what we used to call uh, digital ignorance, to the immigrants, then the natives. And then there may be a thing coming up after the natives where people use the surface and the superficial technology of the iPad, the iPhone, the Android, without necessarily knowing what's underneath, what's in the engine room. And that, of course, creates major risks in day-to-day use because if you don't know that you get attacked and if you don't know that you're vulnerable, then basically you're not going to do anything about it. So these are the three game changers in a nutshell, really. Well, Ralph, I'd like to dive into each of these and get a sense of what you think some of the specific risks are to these game changes. Let's start with the always-on connectivity. It's a boon to us all. Where do you see the risk to organizations? Well, quite simply, the window of exposure and the window of opportunity for attacks, for cybercrime, and even cyber warfare increases by the minute. We used to be online quite consciously when we had to pay for the airtime, when our data plans would not be a flat rate, but we'd have to pay for every minute of the use. So we used to be quite conscious and uh, economical. 
Nowadays, we just leave things on day and night, and then for any perpetrator, there's enough time and there's enough opportunity and motive to attack these little devices you hold in your hand or your iPads or even other things while you're traveling. So that's a major risk in terms of always-on connectivity. And um, as I said, you know, it is being exploited, and we can see in practice that many device owners uh, have been hacked already. We have heard about things going the Android way. We've heard about things going the iPhone way. And there's evidence in practice, empirical evidence, that the number of attacks is rising and that, you know, being able to attack a device 24 by 7 because it's just always on obviously increases the chances of of breaking in. Ralph, let's talk about the second game changer, the increasingly IT-centric society. Again, on the surface, that sounds like a good thing. We used to complain that we didn't have tech-savvy people. Now we do. What are the risks? Well, they are and they aren't. You know, many people, if I think of, you know, my parents' generation who are still living in this this, this day and age, um, they're almost forced to use certain technologies that weren't there before. And even they would, if they would like to go back to paper or to more traditional forms of business, there's, there's little chance to do that. And actually, they're almost forced to adopt new technologies to run through IT-centric processes every day, and they feel uncomfortable with it. Now, as I said, with people of my age and uh, presumably that generation, it's become a natural process to do everything in an IT-centric way. So people are comfortable with it. They are conscious of the security risks, and some of them even then aren't. So uh, as a rule, I'd say it's a good thing to have, and we should be IT-centric, but we should also face the downside and make sure we are aware of what we're doing, and we should be clearly addressing the risks that are there around us, in the system, in the cloud, and in the use of devices that uh, allow us to you know, run meaningful and critical transactions such as private banking and other things. This third game changer really fascinates me. I'd like to learn more about it from you. And that's a new class system that separates people now by technology skills. Can you discuss that, please? Well, class system uh, uh, does sound a bit uh, derogatory. I wouldn't necessarily call it a class system as such. But there is a stratification in terms of knowing about IT, knowing what to do with devices, with operating systems and other things. And as I said before, you get several generations past, you know, the, the old folks who don't know anything, and they quite likely call themselves digital ignorance, or have been called that. And then there are the immigrants, the natives, and if you call them the post-natives, that may, may be a good term to use. And what I feel is necessary to understand how attacks happen, where the risks are, and where the vulnerabilities are, is that people not just adopt technology, but they also understand what's happening in the background, and that that people understand what is behind, say, an Android operating system or uh, an iOS operating system. And quite simply, looking at crime, looking at cyber warfare, most exploits, most zero days, most APTs originate from very knowledgeable people, and they often exploit the social component of, you know, people being unaware, uh, people not caring about what they're holding in their hands. Um, if you combine that with the fact that devices can and will do more and more in the background and even unbeknownst to the user, then you can see where this is all going. People are clicking around or, you know, using their touchpads to basically get things done. 
but little do they know what is happening in the background, what services are being activated, what may be attacked, and how people may actually approach them through social networks uh, and other channels, and then fish their passwords, fish their identities, and do all sorts of things. So the class system in that sense is perhaps that, uh, you know, um, people should be more aware and people should be more informed, and if they aren't, that whole generation uh, who just thinks everything's secure and everything's safe uh, may be in a bad surprise. Well, Rolf, that's excellent context. I'd like to talk more about these game changers. There can't be a single security gap. So as you look at organizations in terms of these game changers, where do you see the biggest security gaps that they need to fill? I think mainly in management and governance of, of information security and cybersecurity. Um, to date, we've often lived the illusion that bringing in more regulations, bringing in more rules, and uh, bringing in more threats and uh, things that, will people, that, that people may use to uh, sort of go a certain way, that that has come to, to its limits by saying if you introduce even more procedures and more rules and more compliance, people will try to follow that. But also the corridor of movement where they can actually do things gets narrower and narrower. So... One of the main risks is that governance is too much focused on bringing in new rules and making things even more complex. So if people stop liking the written rules, they make their own unwritten ones. In terms of management, I think we've been fairly technology-centric these past 20 years, and we've tried to counter the threats and the vulnerabilities by bringing in even more technology. Now, by that same token, we have always expected people to just follow the rules, apply technology sensibly, and then everything's going to be all right. Well, let me tell you it isn't. What we need to look at is also personal behavior, personal responsibility, and the sense of empowerment that says, well, people should be responsible for their own affairs to a certain extent, and cybersecurity management should perhaps become more of a helping hand than a punishing hand in terms of threatening people with job losses or other sanctions. Now, where companies and organizations have actually gone down that route of offering help, educating people, uh, giving free training, and doing that sort of thing, we, we've seen more practical success with that. And don't forget, on the other side of that fence, we're no longer dealing with malware only. We're no longer dealing with just viruses and other things. No, we're dealing with intelligent human opponents who will use every nook and cranny and every opportunity to basically circumvent the defenses. So these, in my opinion, are the major risks in uh, governance and in management where we need to rethink cybersecurity in the light of these game changers. ISACA recently released its latest guide, which is Transforming Cybersecurity Using COBIT-5, and it addresses these three game changers. Rolf, how should organizations utilize this guide to improve their information security programs and be able to deal with these game changers? Well, first of all, let me say that uh, firms and organizations shouldn't throw anything away that they've done to date because it's valuable. We're not reinventing the wheel here. But what we've done is at ISACA to take COVID-5, the framework, then issue the overarching COVID-5 for information security publication. And now we're adding on specialized guidance on certain aspects of information security. And 
the one that you mentioned, transforming cybersecurity, is in fact the second or the third in a series, if you will, preceded by a survey on APT attacks and also a book on securing mobile devices with COVID-5. What we're trying to do here is to present COVID-5 as a single integrated framework, which is in fact one of the guiding principles in COVID, and then to provide specialized guidance and detailed technical information to users, uh, administrators, and managers alike. So in terms of improving the information security program, my recommendation would be to basically use it as part of your overall COVID-5 initiatives, use it as a standalone, and then you still have the option of linking back to COVID-5, and use it in conjunction with your well-known recognized standards that you may be using, such as ISO 27001, or in the United States, NIST, uh, the Special Publication Series. Well, that's great advice, and it does fit in, certainly, to, to different standards organizations are adhering to. A final question for you. Given the game changers we've discussed and the increasingly complex threats that are targeting organizations, what's your advice? What are the tools and the skills that organizations are going to need most to be able to, be able to handle these game changers and ensure cybersecurity going forward? Well, in terms of tools, most of the things that we need are already there. And um, don't mistake my earlier criticism uh, as being against tools. I quite like them, but they do have their place, and they need to be put in perspective and in context. So most vendors and distributors of tools have done a great job in devising all sorts of technical solutions, but they need to be means to an end rather than an end in itself. So in terms of skills, my primary recommendation would be that people should be uh, more aware of what attackers are thinking, how cybercrime and cyber warfare actually happens, and then maybe start stepping back from the more traditional information security management function or skill sets and um, go a bit more in the direction of uh, understanding APTs, understanding high-level attacks that are planned and executed with almost unlimited time and resources. Now, that's a new thing we're facing, but I do know the IT community fairly well, and I know that people do have the intrinsic and requisite skills to do that and to, non to accomplish that. So, in fact, it's all there. Perhaps we need to recombine things and develop a bit of a new perspective on, on managing these things. Ralph, I very much appreciate your time and your insight today. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. The topic has been the three game changers of cybersecurity. I've been talking with Rolf von Rosing of ISACA. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.